This is Grace Grit and Getting It Done, the podcast for women who want to focus on their personal development and their professional priorities, increase their earnings, expand their influence, and advance up the leadership ladder all the way into the C-suite. Hi, I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. My podcast, Grace Grit and Getting It Done, offers a practical guide for women working in the corporate arena. Weekly episodes feature conversations with recognized experts, authors, and influencers. I'm covering topics from navigating corporate culture and coping with gender bias to prioritizing self-care and managing work-life balance. For more information, or if you'd like to contact me, send an email to lisa at bigsky.coach. Do you practice yoga? Yeah, you and a bunch of other people. In fact, a recent study by Yoga Earth showed that over 36 million Americans practice yoga every week. And in another recent study by the International Yoga Federation, it was discovered that over 300 million people practice yoga worldwide. And I am one of them. One of the things about this study that I really want to share with you is there were three important findings among all people who practice yoga. Over 90% of the people who practice yoga every week noticed an extreme reduction in stress and an improved sense of well-being. Almost 60% of the people who practice yoga every week noticed an improvement in sleep quality and quantity. And who doesn't want a good night's sleep? But here's the most important discovery. Almost 80% of everyone surveyed said they experienced a deeper connection, not only with their community, but with their loved ones, family, and friends. And they also experienced a greater desire to give back. And isn't that what it's really all about? So the biggest reason that we all keep returning to the mat or that we get curious about it, whether we practice for years or just days, is because yoga makes us feel better. And it does this by teaching us to follow our breath. And my guest today is Vivica Schwartz. She is a certified yoga teacher, trainer, mentor, and an Ayurveda wellness counselor. And yes, it's true. I am one of her students. So one of the things that I found so helpful for me when I was working in a corporate environment is that I learned that breath is a magic reset. Let's acknowledge we all get triggered. It can be a colleague who hasn't done their job. It can be a boss who misunderstood something and changes something at the last minute. It can be a subordinate who doesn't understand the bigger picture. Whatever it is, we get triggered and rightfully so. But when we can stop and take a breath, we're able to respond strategically instead of react emotionally. So if you're a woman who's working in a high stress job or you've got stressors at home, you're working uh, with a group of people who perhaps are not people you would choose to work with, put down the Chardonnay or the Pinot Noir, stop with that last fourth cup of coffee, grab your water bottle, get your mat and find a yoga class. And here's the deal about yoga. It doesn't matter what our level of experience is. It matters that we have the intention to go and to be a student. It doesn't matter how flexible we are or not. And it really doesn't matter if we can't remember the Sanskrit names of all the poses. If we show up with an intention to be mindful and follow our breath, all of these wonderful things that yoga has done for so many people will happen for you too.
So the thing that's a yoga about yoga for me is that it helps us reset our central nervous system. And it does this by teaching us how to manage our breath. This is called prana, life force, breath, yama. Pranayama, yama is control of the breath or the thoughtful experience of the breath. So today, as I mentioned, Vivica Schwartz, who is not only my yoga teacher, but a highly esteemed yoga teacher, who is also an Ayurveda wellness counselor and teaches retreats in exotic places. And let me just mention, I've been in Central America and Europe with Vivica, and she's going to be sharing all of this with us. But let me just give you a little bit of an anatomy lesson so you understand what's happening in our body. Here's the thing that I learned quite a while ago that just blew my mind. You ready for it? The number one function of the human brain is not to analyze, it's not to ideate, it's not to create, it's not to strategize, it's not to think. What? The number one function of the human brain is to keep our bodies safe. Now we talk about the conscious mind and we know that this is the most advanced part of our brain right up here in our forehead called the prefrontal cortex. And that's where we can ideate, create, analyze all this great stuff. But we move down to a part of our brain that some people call the reptilian brain. It's the limbic brain. It is the most primitive part of our brain. It's the first part of our brain that formed when we lost our tails and stood erect uh, about 200,000 years or so ago, give or take a couple years there, a couple centuries. And what happens in the limbic brain when we perceive a threat, real, or imagined, say a crying child or a screaming colleague or a loud noise, our body immediately goes into survival mode and the primitive brain takes over, meaning we go into fight, flight, or freeze. So the blood drains from our head, it goes into our limbs if we have to fight or flee, or if the threat is so large, we immediately freeze, we play dead. And this happens for all of us. So the one thing that can help us move out of that reptilian brain and into our prefrontal cortex where we can actually start to strategize is to simply take a deep breath. And that's why yoga is so, so important to anyone who's living in the world today because it's stressful to anyone who's working in a high stress job or has lots of responsibilities like a family, a spouse, maybe you're taking care of elderly parents, whatever the stressors may be. When you have the ability to practice pranayama, understanding that breath is a life force and being able to smooth and slow it down and then when you get into a stressful situation in the outside world, being able to take that deep breath and tell our brain, hey, it's good. You're good. You're not going to get killed. Let's refocus. Get the air up into the prefrontal cortex. This is one of the most essential skills you can give yourself to be highly functional in today's cray cray world. So today, again, I am so thrilled. My guest is my yoga teacher, and she's also an esteemed yoga teacher to many. She's a trainer, instructor, speaker, mentor, and an Ayurveda wellness coach. And she's going to be talking about not only all of the training and all of the tools that you can use, whether you practice yoga daily or not, she's also going to be talking about an upcoming retreat too. 
Morocco. Can I just say sleeping in the desert with the Bedouins, experiencing Marrakesh, all of it, travel? You're listening to Grace, Grit, and Getting It Done. This is the podcast for women who want to advance up the corporate ladder and be the change that makes the difference that is so needed in this time. Today, my guest is my esteemed yoga teacher, Vivica Schwartz. Vivica, I am so excited you are here today. Could you just, um, you know, share? Thank you. Oh my goodness. I, um, it is my honor. It is my honor. Um, l- let me go really the thousand mile view. Why do you think yoga resonates with so many people today? Ooh, you know, for so many reasons, but I think the primary reason for people is that they realize when they step on the mat, that there's a change that happens both in their bodies as well as in their nervous systems. When students are instructed to breathe deeply, rhythmically, consciously, they immediately notice how it affects their nervous system towards what we call parasympathetic nervous system. What you already described in your intro, we come to the mat stressed out, overwhelmed, overburdened, probably overanalytical. And when we come to the mat, we begin to slow the breath down and we realize, first of all, we're safe. We're in a space where we can move freely, unobstructedly, and then we realize the force, the power of prana as it moves through us, opens the channels in the body, and then energy starts to flow. And when that energy starts flowing through the body, we first of all feel more embodied. We can feel our body in a way we don't usually do when we walk through our days unconsciously. And then we also begin to feel we can slow things down. Our heart rate slows down. Our blood pressure lowers. The breath, especially when we breathe diaphragmatically down into the belly with the diaphragm moving, is maybe the most powerful tool for us to move out of that fight, flight, and freeze that you spoke about earlier. Oh, that, that is brilliant. So uh, talk to me just a little bit about your mentors I, I'm so curious, were there people along the way that you said, I can learn from this person? Absolutely. My first introduction to yoga came in New York 23 years ago. And the thing that was most transformative for me was noticing that we move in space in order for energy to flow rather than to look pretty. The person that taught the class was a nice Colombian, great teacher, but it was my first teacher. I didn't have any comparison. But I moved to California soon after and found Matias Rati and Chuck Miller at Yoga Works. And they were really my first yoga mentors. I really learned everything I know about yoga from them primarily. Then uh, at the time, there was a yoga studio in Venice called Sacred Movement. I don't know if you remember that one. Oh, yeah. And so Saul David Ray was teaching there, Shiva Ray and Eric Schiffman. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were my mentors as well. And, uh, and from there, I just started to dabble in different um, techniques and teaching styles until I made it my own, until I combined different teaching methods to bring across a message that I thought was interesting and helpful and nourishing for other people. 
I love your use of the word nourishing because as people today in the world, we are starved for that real connection and that understanding. And I can speak from my own experience. Your teaching is so, I'm just going to use the word pure. But what, what I really, I have to ask you, because I'm fangirling out a little bit, so apologies uh, to, to the listeners too, but I've got a reason I fangirl out with this one. Um, but I, I want to ask you, one of the things that it took me quite a while, about five years in, is that yoga is not just the asanas. There are so many other limbs, branches. Can, can you speak to this a little bit? Because I think many of us just go, oh, it's a physical practice. Yes, most people go to yoga for physical exercise. And mm. don't get me wrong, there's, not, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, you do get quite a bit of an exercise depending on what type of class you go to. Maybe not so much in yin yoga or restorative yoga. But what's important to remember is that it's only one of eight branches. So in the uh, Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, you will find out that we start with the yamas, which are the moral disciplines. We move into the niyamas, which are personal observances. Then asana is really the third limb of the eight. Then we move into breath work, into um, sense withdrawal, into concentration, which is dharana. Then we move into meditation. And ultimately, there's samadhi, which is uh, compared to an experience of bliss. And all these limbs work together, but they don't have to be practiced sequentially. So you don't have to start with the yamas and end with samadhi. I know plenty of students that start with meditation, but most people come to yoga through the physical practice. And then they realize, wow, this makes me feel good. Because after all, we move issues out of the tissues when we move, when we contract and release and lengthen, some of the issues move out of the tissues. And then when we end in meditation or shavasana and people have that experience of bliss, they realize, oh, there's more to this. There's much more to this than just the physical movement. Right. Uh, I'm going to go a little off track because I want to ask you something that just popped into my mind. Why is it so essential that each practice ends with Shavasana? Because it's integration. It's integration yeah. of body, mind, and spirit. And we get to a point where we practice moving away from our senses. This aspect is called Pratyahara in the philosophy of yoga. Because all day long we filter what's coming in through the senses, through our ears and nose and taste buds and through the skin and eyes. And when we come into Shavasana, we have an opportunity physically to fully relax and drop in. But also we, can, we have an opportunity to step away from what's coming in through the senses and kind of flip the mirror. If you imagine the senses are like a mirror moving outward, we can flip that mirror and reflect our own light. And that can lead us to a profound sense of inner peace, inner stillness, where the mental chatter comes down. It's that mental background noise becoming really still. That's what, why uh, people love Shavasana so much. Exactly. It's that feeling of uh, universal peace. And I would love to ask you just about, oh God, where do I even start? Where, where, would you, where would you like to talk about the monkey mind? There's just so much discussed there. The impact of yoga. First of all, yeah. Managing the monkey mind. Yeah, we all have it. That's the first, that's where I would start. You're not, you're not weird. <laughs> 
you know, we all have the monkey mind. And I think, um, yeah, realizing that is really important. But then we're going back to the breath. I think the breath is an anchor. And when we drop it in our yoga practice, which remember includes the meditation, then we also realize when we focus on the breath, we're more present. The mind wanders less when we're focused on the breath. So that's one area that we can focus on. Um, then we also work with dharana, which is concentration. When we pick, for example, in our asana practice, a gazing spot, the mind wanders less when we focus our gaze. It's called a drishti in yoga. And then we work with mindfulness, with awareness. We work with um, the concept of staying in the flow. There's this beautiful um, principle called Wu Wei, and it's called effortless action, where we um, apply less effort to step into a zone that feels like ease and flow. The monkey mind is there. We need to acknowledge it. Sometimes we need to label it and tell ourselves, okay, there's a thought coming up right now, there's an image coming up, and then we return our awareness to the breath again and again and again. I love that idea of this is not a one and done. It is a rinse, wash, repeat. And this is something as human beings, we tend to forget. We think it's gonna be one thing and I fix it and it's never an issue again. And, and that's just not reality. And so in terms of the daily practice, this is what's so important. I really would love to ask you because when we met, I was so, and still am impressed by your high level of awareness and I'm just going to throw a big word out there for the listeners, bodhisattva. And in uh, the Buddhist religion, this is literally the person who is about to attain enlightenment, stop the process of reincarnation. But as they turn around and look behind them, they see those people who still need their help. And instead of ascending into the universal intelligence, they turn back to help them. And I see you doing that in your yoga teaching and practice. And so the, so the question I have, and this is a, a much more practical question, you might have people in your class who are just new to yoga, people who are lifelong practitioners, people who have come from some other discipline. And how do you accommodate that? How do you work with that level? You know how yoga says the goal of yoga is self-realization and a lot of people are like i have no idea what that means what what is that even and so i think a more it's so lofty it's so abstract i think a more tangible goal of yoga and that's also in the scriptures is uh the removal of suffering so how do we suffer when do we suffer what's the root of suffering and what I found out and many other masters is that resistance creates suffering. Resistance to what is creates suffering or a specific idea or mental uh, expectation creates suffering. Anything that, that we can't embrace what's in the moment and we try to push away creates suffering. And so we can practice that on the mat. We can practice not resisting we can practice moving with the force of gravity. And then we can also use gravity 
and move against it, not by resisting it, but by using that force and, and using the pull inside to, to, to grow like root and rebound. But I think if we understand accepting what is, not resisting what is, is already the first step. And so when we step onto the mat, the first thing is embodiment, feeling the body. The body is the most tangible part of ourselves, the skin, the bones, the muscles. But the second part of embodiment is really to bring the soul to the forefront, to integrate body, mind, mm -hmm. spirit. We have to first realize we have a soul, we have a spirit, or we are really soul and spirit in this temporary experience of the physical body. And when we bring that to the forefront and make our practice a dedication, bring devotion into the practice and realize we're more, we're more than the body. The body perishes at some point. So do the thoughts, they disappear. The emotions come and go. Some say they only last for 90 seconds. But what else is there? When we take all those identifications away, then we realize, okay, there's more to me than just the bones, the muscles, the tendons, the ligaments, the thoughts, the emotions. And then we realize, okay, consciousness, awareness, awareness and consciousness, same thing, spirit, soul, is who we truly are. And that realization we can have on the mat, whether it's through breath, through movement, through meditation, that's where yoga leads us. Oh, I, you know, when you're talking about the consciousness and the self-awareness, one of the things I know that many women, and I in particular, and I'm speaking to all women, it's that difference between self-consciousness and self-awareness. And self-awareness is the no judgment, here's the reality, and the self-consciousness is really the monkey mind. Vivica, you are a highly esteemed yoga teacher. You also lead workshops all around the world. You do Ayurvedic trainings and teachings. And I am really curious as to how you learned about the practice of Ayurveda, what it is, because I know very little about it. And I'm sure our listeners would love to hear more. Share, please, how did you start and what drew you to it? I first heard about Ayurveda probably two, three years into my journey, into my yoga journey. Um, it, it, when you're curious and interested about yoga, you will inevitably hear about Ayurveda because they're really two sides of a, of a coin, of a medallion. And about in the year 2015, I decided to take a teacher training to become an Ayurvedic wellness counselor through um, James Bailey, who's a, who's a great teacher. And, and if you think about yoga as the art of self-transformation, Ayurveda is the art of self-healing. So in order to ascend on, on a, say, spiritual ladder to become more uh, conscious and spiritual, it's necessary or, or I should say important to have a healthy body because if you're diseased, it's really hard to focus on, on evolving spiritually. And, and it goes the, the other way as well. If you're, if you're, the aim of both is to uh, self-realize. That's really the aim of both yoga and Ayurveda. But Ayurveda does it through living in harmony with the cycles of nature. Ayurveda does it through uh, daily routines, seasonal routines, nighttime routines. Ayurveda pays close attention to what do we eat? Is it seasonal? What time of the day do you eat? We also incorporate 
herbs and uh, and then we used yoga as therapy so we incorporate movement or breath work as a therapy to get to uh, maintaining or increasing our mental spiritual and physical well-being so the two really go hand in hand and if we practice them together we can really get to a place where we know, yeah, it's helpful for me, it's beneficial for me to rise with the sun. I feel better when I go to bed earlier because I know when I get eight hours of sleep, I have more energy in the morning. This sounds so simple, but it's really where it begins, you know? Yeah, that is so interesting because really what we're talking about is this concept of back to nature like what is natural for us. And, you know, we know some people are night owls and some people are early morning risers. And this is what I found so interesting in doing the training I've done with you is that aha moment of, you know what, for me, I should be in bed by 10 o'clock and I'm the person who wants to stay up till two. So that, yeah. that intention about greater self-awareness and understanding and forgiveness, it, you know, you use the phrase, self-healing and transformation. Mm -hmm. So, so brilliant. So if you were going to, uh, well, let me just, for all of you listening, because you do want to reach out to Vivica, you can find her at www.vivica, V-I-V-I-C-A, Schwartz, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z.com. And there are so many services she, she offers. And reach out to her, because if you really are thinking about taking better care of yourself so you can actually be at your highest peak performance for both your family, your loved ones, everyone, reach out to Vivica. It's super important to focus on your well-being and give yourself permission to, as I say, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Now, Vivica, I've got to ask you about how you do that because I know you've got three teenage daughters. I do. And that's some heavy lifting. Okay, let's just acknowledge. So how do you incorporate being a mom, having a successful business, doing your retreats, all of it? How does that work? You know, Lisa, in the intro, you said, and I'm going to rephrase it, but you already pointed to it because you said, you know, your yoga is working when your relationships improve. And that's exactly how I apply my Ayurveda and yoga practice in being a mother. So we get triggered, right? The teenagers are talking back, not doing what you ask them to do. But the first thing is always self-awareness, right? You notice you're feeling triggered. You notice you're feeling really discombobulated because they're not doing what you ask them to do. And then you remember, I've got my breath to rely on. So I try to stand back and, and use my breath. And, and you know how um, Viktor Frankl said, between stimulus and response, there's a pause. And in that pause lies our power to choose. So I apply that as much as I possibly can. And sometimes I suck as a mother, right? Let's be honest. I don't always do this, the right thing. But I try to remember my breath. I try to remember to step back and breathe and be less reactive because that's what yoga and ayurveda teach us too to increase our awareness what am i feeling and is this really them or is this me is is it their reaction that bothers me or is it really my not feeling heard right i also have a great interest in basic psychology what are, what's my past conditioning what's my traumas big t or little t and how can i you know 
remember that the issue here, the conflict, is really what's happening inside of me, and it's got not so much to do with the children. And then remembering love, you know, remembering to stay grounded, stand grounded in love. And, and really, if you want to be a leader, and as a mother, you're a leader, you want to uplift others. So ultimately, the goal is to spread love and to make them feel heard and seen and loved, and then establish boundaries and say, yeah, no, this is not okay for me. And, you know, I treat you with kindness. I want you to treat me with kindness. And then to remember, you know, my ultimate goal is to raise the vibration both inside of me. And if I can do that and they can feel that I'm staying grounded, breathing, and able to continue to be kind, then eventually, hopefully, something sinks in. <laughs> I, I love that because uh, honestly, what you're talking about is the ability to acknowledge and validate and not only acknowledge and validate the other person. And let's face it, when we go through puberty and when I went through menopause there, well, it was a bit of the opposite reaction, but there's a lot in puberty. There's a lot of hormones flowing through. So when you can acknowledge and validate that and also acknowledge and validate, hey, I got triggered when my kid runs out without a jacket and I know it's going to rain. Interesting. This is a, this is a common thread. Vivica, I know you love to travel. You know, I love to travel. I had the great honor to travel with you on a yoga retreat to Costa Rica and to Mallorca. And I know there's another one coming up, but just explain to me how this love of travel and yoga came into this awesome mix that you created. Yeah. So I grew up in Europe. I'm from Germany. And uh, as you know, well, south of Germany, at least, is close to France and Italy and Spain is right under France. And there's also Switzerland and many countries. So traveling in my upbringing childhood was very much present for me, you know, even just getting in the car and driving for an hour and being in France because the cigarettes were cheaper as a teenager. So we went to France. So, but traveling for me, <laughs> it's a big joy. It's, um, yeah. I think for me, <laughs> discovering or being in different cultures, different sounds, sights, language, I absolutely love languages, is, uh, tickles me. It, it just, and I also think life is not about always staying in your familiar environment. At least for me, it's not. Not to say that there's a lot to explore in our own minds, but... I think life is also about exploration. Yes. And when my of yoga began 22 years ago, um, and, and then moving to America from, from Europe, there was a gap. And then, of course, I had children. So there was a gap where I didn't travel. And at some point, about six or seven years ago, I really started missing it again. I started missing going abroad. I started missing hearing different languages, exploring different foods. I'm all about foods colors, cultures, music is also very important to me. And then right before Costa Rica, which you came to that retreat, I thought to myself, how about I combine the two, you know, take people on trips so that we can explore cultures together, but we keep the yoga as our practice and make it a thread that kind of weaves through the exploration of different countries so that we practice twice a day so we keep coming back to our internal practices, but we also have the opportunity to go out and explore our relationship while we explore it with ourselves on the mat. We go out there and explore mm -hmm. our relationship 
relationship to strangers, to different environments. And my and uh, Morocco is so exciting for me because we're not staying put. In Mallorca, which you came to as well, we stayed put, which has so many benefits of really settling into one place. In Greece this year, we also stayed put. So did, did we in Costa Rica. But this trip is a little different because we have three locations. We have the the Marrakesh for four days, which is the artisan markets, the sights, the sounds, the hustle and bustle. And we're right in the old part of town in this beautiful Riyadh hotel, which has a, a hammam, which is a, tr a traditional Turkish steam bath. And then I think we're going to be quite, you know, our senses will be quite fed. We moved to the desert for two days into this desert camp, which is really a luxury camp, real beds, not just sleeping on the floor or whatever. Real, beautiful, homemade food and uh, musicians. And we practice, we continue to practice there. We may go even deeper, longer practices in the stillness. There's the opportunity to walk through the desert and be on your own. There's also guided desert walks through a desert oasis. And then we move, our third location will be the Atlas Mountains. It's a beautiful mountain resort right at the base of these beautiful mountains. And this one's a little more fancy and uh, gives us an opportunity to, all retreats give, give an opportunity to either socialize, be mingle and get to know other people, but also find the stillness that you may need because you may be really overwhelmed and in your rut wherever you are. So that's what, that's, what, that's what I love about taking people on a retreat. There's deep connection. We're all like-minded. We've all chosen to be there. We may not know each other, so we have this opportunity to experience ourselves and others, but we also get to know a country we may not have been to before. I just have to speak to my own experience in every retreat I've been on. I have felt so well taken care of, protected, well fed, having amazing yoga classes, which then gave me that ability to relax and let go and dive deeper into the understanding of greater self-awareness. And then also look at every place, every adventure you took us on, because we did go on adventures and that was wonderful. And the yeah. friendships that I created with people I did not know who I met on the retreats was fantastic. I do have to make one comment about being out in the desert with the Bedouins, glamping, like <laughs> the vast vistas that you see in movies like Lawrence of Arabia, and that's where you're taking us. Exactly, so, it's gonna ah. feel like Africa. <laughs> well, it is Africa, right? It, it's, I mean, we are on the continent, continent of Africa, but uh, the way you curate from the food to the locations to your classes and the various workshops that you give, it really is a very transformative uh, experience. So for everybody out there listening, there are a few slots left. I highly recommend anyone listening who's interested in going to Morocco with Vivica, get onto her website. It is www.vivica, V-I-V-I-C-A, Schwartz, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z.com, www.vivicaschwartz.com. The information is all there. And if you're in the LA area, 
go take a class with Vivica. You will be sold. Vivica, any closing comments you'd like to share? You got to come back, my friend. We're hardly done. So one thing, my, my, one of my favorite classes, I teach online and I think it's working really well for a lot of people, especially if you're working from home or you've got kids running around and that's all beautiful and it's here to stay. But there's a class in Topanga that's really dear to me and it's outside on a deck and you're immersed with, there's the chickens and the peacocks and the chimes and the birds. So mother healer, like in Ayurveda, we talk about how we're not just part of nature, but we are nature, how we're the microcosm of the macrocosm. And you can really feel it there. It's a class on a Wednesday morning from 9.30 to 10.40. It's in Topanga. And it's just, it's, a, it's, an, it's another layer of, of stepping into healing because the surrender is just a little deeper, you know, with the sounds of nature all around us and the elements that we work with, earth and, and, and water and fire and air and space. They're right there around us. And then we can also translate them to feeling them inside because we have them inside of us as well as outside of us. I love that. So insightful. So insightful. Vivica, my honor, my pleasure. And if you practice yoga or considering it and you love to travel, I highly recommend you go to Vivica's website, www.vivicashwartz.com and look at all of the things that she does, all of the trainings and teachings she offers. If you're interested in finding out more about Ayurveda health science, I highly recommend you check her out. And if you want to go to Morocco, the time is now. Sign up. There's this trip in the spring. And it is such, every retreat I've done with Vivica has been such a treat for the senses, for creating greater self-awareness and deeper self-compassion. Because let's all acknowledge if we are working in a high stress situation, if we have a high stress life, and if we are women whose intention is to bring the change that makes the difference, then we need to remember to put the oxygen mask on ourselves first. And a very simple, effective, and lasting way to do that is to embrace the practice of yoga. And if you're serious about it, then check out Vivica's website because there are so many services, offers, and teachings there. And it will really make a difference in your life as I know it did in mine. So uh, let me just share with you again, you can contact Vivica at vivicaschwartz.com. It's V-I, sorry, www.vivicashwartz. Com. Thanks for listening to Grace, Grit, and Getting It Done. I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. If you'd like more information or to contact me directly, send me an email, lisa at bigsky, B-I-G-S-K-Y dot coach. Lisa at bigsky.coach. Thanks for listening.